Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Daniela Kallmeyer, founder and designer of independent fashion brand Kallmeyer. Since the start of the pandemic, the brand has updated its mission, launched a range of digital services, and temporarily closed its newly opened physical store. I wanted to ask Daniela how 2020 has impacted her company and what long-term effects it will have on the industry. Welcome, Daniela. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. I see a cute dog. Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know. I'm like watching his head sort of like stretch up and I'm like, where is that coming from? <laughs> yeah, he'll be calm the rest of the meeting. I mean, two guests on this podcast. I like it. Tell me this morning when we were texting, you said uh, it's kind of day by day. What can you tell me about your day in the life these days? Well, despite the fact that um, this pandemic started 27 years ago, I think that like every turn and bend that we've experienced has been different and it has been so difficult to plan ahead. Um, even, you know, when we were speaking and, and you brought up the holidays, I know that those are around the corner (laughs) and we like cannot even wrap our head around strategizing for that. I mean, we've talked about it here and there, but honestly, my mind is on the election right now. And it feels like that is coming before the holidays. And it is, it feels impossible to even think that the holidays are right behind them. And what does that even mean in the first place? Yes. What does that mean? Like, how do you even, we've talked to some brands who are talking about potentially closing their store for a couple of days, because we don't know what's going to happen, um, the impact that it will make. Um, are you, first, first of all, are you be, being vocal about the election, about voting? Um, have you kind of taken that on as a brand and do you feel the need to do so? Yes, absolutely. And I think it's super important that most brands do. I mean, obviously one of the things that I've talked a lot about during, you know, this kind of the times of civil unrest and, uh, you know, the movements that, that, Uh, brands have taken on is that first and foremost, it has to be authentic. And so that is something that we are very vocal about with our community. Um, You know, this is a really, really important election. And for me personally, as a brand owner, what's happening with the election and, you know, the unfortunate Supreme Court news and, you know, everything that's going on in our country, that is first and foremost in my mind, even before designing clothes. I mean, I think that that goes without saying. Yes. Tell me about your community. Do they know this about you? Are you pretty um, vocal? Are you communicating with them on the daily? Uh, do they shop with you? Because like we say, you know, values matter. They, they agree with your point of view, would you say? Yeah. And I think I've shied away in the past from being overly vocal or making myself the voice of my brand. I've sort of tried to create like a brand character in the past. And I think that one of the, you know, positive things that this, that this year has brought forth is that that has sort of been stripped away. This sort of like Wizard of Oz uh, curtain has has been moved aside. And I think it's more important than ever. And that's, that's an adjustment that I'm making just like as a person of my generation trying to still get used to social media in the first place. 
kind of trying to figure out how much of myself to put in into my brand now. And more and more, I'm realizing that the more that I do that, the more positive the reaction is. Uh, I'm definitely very vocal with my community. I have noticed, I will be honest, that sort of what I consider my community and my brand community and my personal community has some um, differences in just behavior and interaction than what I would consider my core clientele base. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's something that I'm trying to wrap my head around or trying to blend, but it, it, it's definitely something that as, as I'm experiencing challenges myself with what the right voice on social media is, I'm, I'm working with. Yeah. Who is your customer? And is it, is it backlash that you face or like just pushback when maybe they don't, there's not agreement? No, not at all. I I just think that my clientele appears to be a little bit older and she just doesn't seem to be interacting in that way. But, you know, that being said, I do have, I do have plenty of clients now that I'm thinking about it who do, you know, they feel really positive hearing my voice and, uh, you know, I've given some really raw interviews over the, the past couple of months and, I certainly have had people reach out to me and tell me how much they appreciate that. But for the most part, I think that it's sort of the younger generation or more of my peers who are, who are interacting when I'm being more vocal about my personal experience and uh, my political views. And I, I don't think I'm experiencing any backlash. Awesome. Yeah. I told you I poked around your site and I saw that, um, you know, you had a lot to say in, in that this was our mission before, this is our mission now. And it had to do with, um, in, since Black Lives Matter, since we are dealing with this pandemic, like kind of our priorities have changed and this is what we are, we're about now. Could you kind of explain that? And am I getting it right? Yeah, this has been a part of our mission from the start. And this time has held us accountable to to that mission. So I've said it from the beginning, I've said it, you know, not only my entire career, but as a person that, you know, there's no point in doing what we're doing if we're not doing it right. And that, that goes for, um, you know, social justice issues, and that goes for sustainability and longevity and quality. And I think that those values find themselves being aligned in certain ways now more than ever. And, you know, this is just, like I said, has been a time that has held people and brands accountable to their missions, to their value systems, and, you know, bringing that forward and saying, okay, that's important to me. Now, how do I step up? Or this is important to me. How do I really prove that this matters because you have to sort of give some things up or, um, you know, hold yourself accountable in order for those values to be fully realized. Yeah. Do you think that this is the new norm where, um, as a brand founder, you will be weighing in on issues in the world? Like this is just, this is how it is now. Yeah. And I think if you're not, you, you could be sort of become irrelevant in a way, you know, the, the brands that I have been following, in fact, I was thinking about it this morning. I don't even know that I'm really keeping up that much with brands as much as I'm keeping up with their founders. So for example, 
my feed now, just like the algorithms of my feed are way more filled with people like Amy Smilovic and Aurora James and Kirby from Pierre Moss rather than the brands themselves. I want to know how those founders are, you know, treating their day to day, what matters to them, how they're behaving, how they're engaging with community, because that's so much more valuable than just the products themselves. Yes. That's interesting that you mentioned Amy. I follow her as well. And I could see some kind of similarities in like her approach to, um, I don't know if she calls it like a style session. I know you do um, your Fridays. Uh, what do you call your Friday session? Friday features. Uh, so we, yeah, we started doing these Friday features. I mean, it was kind of a long time coming. Um, at the very beginning of shutdown, when we did originally close the store, which by the way, you mentioned we have now reopened, um, but we, when we originally closed the store, we started doing almost like uh, Instagram lives, which is yeah. nothing. It was just something I had never done before. And I found myself like taking on this like ridiculous, almost like QVC uh, host character. And it was really, it was just really fun to like fall in love with my own products again through sharing them. And I have always really valued uh, Amy's, you know, point of view and the way that she doesn't really subscribe to the like ancient ways of our industry. She puts her customers in the forefront rather than sort of the press and the uh, accolades of the brand. And that is a value that's always been core to me and my brand. And I've just had so much fun. I mean, she probably comes up at least once a week in our design sessions. <laughs> Did you see Amy's Instagram? She was cursing. Did you see how she and, you know, Dion uh, styled that thing? I just, I find her so entertaining and I love how raw she is. And, yeah. and you know, in addition to those lives, what then... Uh, happened is we started offering these virtual appointments. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how the Friday features came to be because we were doing these virtual appointments and I was realizing that the real customers were seeing things that even I wasn't in how they wanted things styled or how certain things fit or what they were experiencing while they were working from home or, you know, what they wanted. So it's really my way of saying this isn't a collection based on a lookbook. This is a, a collection of wardrobe staples. And let me tell you what makes each and every piece special. Awesome. And you're getting more comfortable in front of the camera. You're doing more, <laughs> more of this, even beyond Friday features. Um, yes, <laughs> I'm not sure. I think we sort of like swing into this character a little bit. Uh, you know, when we opened the store, one of the most valuable things to me was interacting with the customer. You know, we're not a store that just has somebody walk in and walk out. We are going to make suggestions, make sure that their experience is fully curated. And that was something that I enjoyed. And even when we ended up bringing in talent and bringing in sales associates, I liked being around. I liked seeing what the customers' reactions were to our products and 
how certain things fit different body types. So if you call yourself a four and you are, uh, you know, 25 years old, but you call yourself a four and you're 65 years old, you might like things to fit you differently. Right. And that was such a learning curve. And actually our spring collection of last year was really successful because I think we were designing it while watching that happen. And so the combination of, you know, these Instagram lives, which we didn't really end up keeping up because I really wanted these one-on-ones with the uh, virtual appointments. And those were incredibly successful, actually. Um, we probably had like a uh, at least a 70% conversion rate after the awesome. appointments. And, you know, like a 1% return rate because of it. Nice. You know, even just being able to see somebody's body even through just a video and understanding where they felt comfortable and then being able to show them things. And I'm not a size zero. So I got to try things on for people and show them how they could style it. And it was just so much more interesting that way. So that's what I'm trying to replicate through the Friday features. Um, Because you're only one woman and you were doing, were you doing all of those? Yeah. (laughs) But that's the fun part for me. I mean, I'm, I've been very, very fortunate this year, actually, uh, despite you know, the up and down in sales and closing and reopening the store. I've been so fortunate to have been able to promote my assistant to production manager. And that's shifted my uh, sort of priorities. And so I like doing these videos, despite how awkward I may seem or feel. Um, You know, this is what I'm doing it for is the chance to interact with with my clients and tell them what makes it special and show them how real these clothes are. They're not just, they're not just a pretty picture in a lookbook. Yes. You mentioned you're doing a lot of recording in the store. Uh, Talk to me about this store, Lower East Side of New York, correct? And what do you see as the role? Has it changed? I do think it's changed. The neighborhood has changed. I mean, I think anybody who lives in New York or in a city like it could attest to the fact that when all of the restaurants around us turned literally inside out, you know, that changes the DNA of a street. We have a, um, a streetwear brand that opened across the street. That's changed the energy of the street. And, you know, a lot of the galleries that are around me, the tenement museum, uh, the spas and, and, you know, hair salons that I relied on for clientele and walk-in traffic, they either haven't reopened or have reopened in a very limited capacity. And I've seen a change in that. And so much of how my brand has evolved over the last 18 months has been thanks to opening the store. And so I am left with the question, do we keep the store and evolve the brand because that's our location? Or do we consider that the neighborhood has changed in in the last even just seven months? Yeah, it used to be. Was it I think we talked in the past, it was kind of positioned as a, a community hub and it was maybe did that mean events? Did that mean what did that mean? Yes, it definitely meant events. I mean, we had so many events planned for 2020 that have have been 
not just canceled, but never even got a chance to develop. Um, we, I was craving that. So we started doing these outdoor movie nights over the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kept it up for about six months and people were asking, you know, why did we stop or why, why even did we start? And I was really just craving having community and being able to, uh, you know, bring people together. And I think everybody is handling this pandemic differently and what they consider their responsibility in it. I don't feel comfortable bringing events into the space just yet. Yeah. And as you said, I'm one woman. So even if we could sort of create a, a, a small event and uh, bring people in, in a limited capacity, it's, it's effort over, you know, impact. And yeah. that's just not where we are putting our energy at the moment. Yeah. In the couple of years ahead, do you foresee yourself having that one store? Do you see yourself having more stores? Again, is it TBD? I think it's TBD because, you know, the whole retail world is TBD. It's you can't just project what your goals are for your brand anymore. You really have to be adaptable, which is why I think I'm still standing, to be honest. We're small and nimble and we started shifting as soon as the world did. So I was, I shut my store on March 14th and started thinking about what's next immediately. Um, And I've been able to shift and change. And when I say to you, things are different day to day. I mean, we are literally having uh, meetings in the shop every other day to talk about, okay, what is, what does the world care about this week? And how can we be part of that? Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Did you have wholesale or retail partners to lean on? I know um, some of them on your site that were, you had partnered with, Toto Kayo, has has closed their door its doors. Is that a common theme? So, yes, it's a common theme. I've noticed um, a big decline in our ability. Well, you know, we were projecting major growth for 2020 between um, the momentum of the the brand with our retail partners and the growth of the store. I mean, January was our best month in business to date. And so we definitely had higher projections. And like you said, some of those stores have closed and not only stores that we were partnered with, but even just some of our peers, you know, like seeing Anthem close their doors almost right away was a really big wake up call. Uh, And it made us question what we would do moving forward. But I feel really fortunate that the vast majority of where we're getting our wholesale from is in Japan and in Asia. And they have seen, they've seemed to have had a much speedier uh, bounce back than we have. So while I'm seeing the remaining retailers that we work with reduce what they're buying or changing how they're buying, um, I had an increase in demand from from some of our stores in Japan. Awesome. So just that diversification in terms of your sales channels and markets is kind of key. It's key. And I, I'll be honest, it's definitely what's kept us moving forward. You know, we had not had any intention of developing a spring collection, just even 
I guess I could say I'm, I'm sort of outing myself, but almost morally, it didn't make sense at the time to to develop a spring collection. But then financially, when we had stores in Japan saying, you know, we want this and we'll buy it if you make it, um, it was hard to refuse. Uh, we had a big uptick in the summer in our uh, direct-to-consumer, but that has now dropped. And I think that that is heavily due to, you know, the uncertainty in, in our country. Um, meanwhile, we developed new uh, silhouettes, or rather I should say we pulled out archive silhouettes and perfected them in new fabrics or fabrics that we, uh, you know, had bought and never developed with. But either way, we we basically put out a brand new collection and and sold it almost exclusively in Japan. Amazing. What's been your take on collections, uh, I guess, quantity of styles, with, uh, inventory as a whole? Is there a pullback? Um, are you doing less and less? Yeah, definitely less and less. Uh, like I said, we had this big uptick in the summer and, you know, like May, June, July, we were selling out of blazers and that was, that was wild to me. What? I mean, not only is it the summer and we're selling suiting, but it's the summer of work from home and we're selling suiting. And I had a lot of people email me saying that they were so excited to have discovered me because such and such piece in my collection reminds me of their old Donna Karen suit that they, you know, wore to threads, or they've been looking to replace their classic Saint Laurent blazer. And this is such an affordable way to do that. Yeah. Uh, so that is, that was an interesting thing for us. And so we felt pretty confident in moving forward modestly with in-house inventory. And I think things have slowed down a lot. I think the move for a lot of big companies to stay work from home, some people indefinitely, some, uh, you know, until at least next summer. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it's changed the way people are shopping. When, when we did reopen the store, you know, I know I'm shifting gears a little bit, but when we did reopen the store, a lot of people came in and would give us great feedback and say, oh my God, I love this. I love this. I would totally buy this if I had anywhere to go. And, you know, our, our, what's happening, what's happening in our mind is we're like, well, you're out now, aren't you? (laughs) Um, and we, we make clothes for, uh, you know, for everyday wear, but I understood also the desire to feel special and what is it, what does it really mean for consumers right now? So we're thinking a lot about our inventory as a way of renewing things in-house. Yes. Is there, is it more about highlighting, spotlighting the things that are more relevant or timely as opposed to really like shifting gears in a big way? I'm just asking like, like on your website right now, knits are the new suits. And I'm like, but suits. <laughs> anyway, is there a shift? Um, that's a funny question because I think what what comes to mind is that we've always thought that way. We, yeah. We've always thought about pieces being relevant for as long as possible and suits feeling comfortable to sit 
all day in or sit at a meeting, you know, or go out for dinner. We've thought of suits for almost 10 years of our brand as something that you could wear with sneakers and just look cool and boss as much as you could wear in the boardroom. So, you know, going back to the Friday features, it's our way of sharing that and explaining how easy that way of dressing can be and how this, you know, new alpaca sweater that we might've shown with a, you know, satin by a skirt and elevated it could easily be worn with jeans and elevate that outfit. Yes, definitely. We have to address holiday. You said, you, I don't know. We don't know quite what we're doing. Do you think there will be discounting? Uh, do you think, yeah, what's your approach? Well, one of the reasons we started the Friday features is because as a brand, we really are against big promotional sales. I think that has so much to do with the decline of uh, the American retail scene in the first place. And every season we have dreaded having big sales. I mean, if you're subscribed to our newsletter, you know, we maybe have one and I put air quotes, big sale, uh, a season, and that's maybe 30% off our whole approach to our brand is about making things sustainable and accessible and fairly priced. You know, we're making essentially a luxury product at a contemporary price point already. We don't want you to feel like you're discovering a brand that's so aspirational that you have to wait until it goes on sale in order to access it. That being said, I want to incentivize people to feel like they are getting something special and knowing that times are a little bit tough or even just you've changed the way that you approach consumerism. You know, maybe you have more time to think about what is a special purchase. So we've made each piece special and for a weekend only we're making it 10% off. So for example, we have this brand new style in our collection that's really special. Friday, we launch our Friday feature until Monday at midnight, it's 10% off. As far as the holidays go, I'm definitely not planning on big blasted marketing. Yep. Uh, I think it's insensitive to the times. You know, should we find a way to maybe bring out archival pieces that are almost outlet priced or reshare some of our Friday features with access to those loyalty discounts, perhaps? But I think times have changed. They were already changing pre-pandemic, you know, pre-civil unrest. This is not the time to be blasting people with sale, 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 sale. Uh, I think there's a there's a better message out there and a better way to offer people something that they need. Yes. Talk to me. Are, are the the Friday features and the talking through what makes these items special? That's key. I was going to ask when you were talking about, you know, the special making details of these luxury pieces, but they're at a contemporary price point. How do you communicate that Kate that online? I would think that uh yeah, it's a hard message to deliver. Well, just even being able to show video and show movement and show fit 
I mean, obviously it is ideal. We use such great fabrics in our collection. It would be ideal for people to be able to touch it. But the closest I can get is, you know, smell a vision. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, uh, you know, putting it on myself, putting it on my assistant. You know, we've talked about having almost guest spots on our Friday features and having other people try things on and style them. And that feels like a fun way that we can also engage uh, but that's, you know, that's a close way for us to show how beautiful the fabrics are and how much attention to fit we've given in addition to, you know, all the ways that you can wear it. To me, luxury is, is a feeling. It's yeah. how you feel in a product. It's not just whether or not it's expensive and it's not, uh, you know, it's not just how how sought after the brand is. It sometimes it's just how much you can love it and how good it makes you feel. Definitely. Let's talk about why we are here talking today. Um, why, what got you through this, I guess, eight last eight months? Uh, why are, how did you survive when so many are failing? What would you say is like the secret sauce here? I don't think that there's one thing. Yeah. Uh, I think First of all, like I said, we are small and nimble. We have shifted. I love that. Um, I think it's an Ani DeFranco quote or something uh, that even bridges and buildings are built to sway in the wind in order to withstand them. Yeah, nice. And, you know, if we were made of concrete and couldn't move, we would have collapsed. And... So I have not been too proud to put myself out there to do, you know, silly live videos. And, you know, we didn't hire a stylist to take the virtual appointments. It's me, myself. You know, I'm answering customer emails. I'm engaging with uh, customers myself. And, um, you know, I will say we, we were a little bit lucky. I think in the very beginning, a lot of people, a lot of media, a lot of the industry wanted to support small brands. And while I was watching some of my contemporaries shut down or go dark, uh, I had the opportunity to give some good interviews and, you know, share our share my work. And we had a piece in the Wall Street Journal that was just unbelievable for uh, acquiring new customers and spreading a new message to people who maybe hadn't known about us before and were able to discover something that they felt like they needed and they had been looking for. I got so many emails during that time saying, oh my God, I didn't know I've been looking for you all of my, you know, sort of professional life. Yes. I was going to ask about if you are able to put money into marketing now, how you're able to acquire customers. It's, it's organic. It's press. Um, we are starting to talk about that now. Like I said, things have shifted so rapidly. Every few, even I, I can't even say months, every few weeks, things feel different. And it is a little uncertain where to put money, but of course it you know, I'm sure it takes money to make money, but we're also, you know, putting our efforts into marketing and, uh, you know, our SEO. And I read a really great uh, quote the other day that said, it's people in search of products in the physical world. 
in the digital world, it's products in search of people. And I think between seeing that big upswing in our direct-to-consumer when we were able to access uh, a new market or an, an, you know, a new clientele base and, uh, you know, just the fact that our physical retail, we've seen such a decline, you know, my effort for sure, holidays or not moving forward is to go out there and find the people. Yes. Right on. You mentioned uh, getting support, see, uh, meeting folks who are willing to support small brands. I have to ask for your final question. You know, I'm from St. Louis and I know that there's a St. Louis Fashion Fund connection. <laughs> Throwback. What happened there? Uh, I Yes, I love the St. Louis Fashion Fund so much. And, you know, there is a, a an amazing community of women who love the arts love fashion. They really understand what makes up this industry. And that is sort of talent and drive and artistry and craftsmanship. And they really celebrate it there. And I don't know, maybe it's six years ago now at this point that I won that award, but I've stayed in touch with, um, Susan Sherman. You know, hi, Susan. Susan. <laughs> yes. Hi, Susan, if you're listening. And Tanya. And actually, both of them uh, have come to visit the store since we've reopened. And awesome. it's really an amazing community. And it's such a great reminder that there is fashion and there is life and there is appreciation for you know, beauty and luxury and talent outside of New York and LA. Yes. The CFDA, um, are they making progress? Are they supporting designers? Well, we've really never been connected with the CFDA. Um, I, we admire, you know, everything that the industry does for young talent, but, you know, we've sort of marched to the beat of our own drum. You know, I've sustained my business and grown my business sort of on, a, on my own and with what I really like to call like real life support. Yeah. You know, that's mentors who I have a, a authentic connection with. That's my clients. That's my community. That's, you know, fellow designers who we share in common our artistry. Um, I think that this year has really brought forth a movement of, of brands and artists, you know, sharing their own story. I, I don't necessarily think that we need to, um, be beholden to an antiquated system anymore. Yeah. You know, you're not, not a brand if you weren't selling in Barney's, you know, yes. you are not, not talented or beautiful or relevant to a large uh, group of clients if you're not in vogue. So it's not whether or not the CFDA is sort of stepping up. It's actually more how inspired I am by watching the people behind the brands step up and also observing how the ones who aren't or the ones who were never were how that's the curtain has been, you know, pulled back on that. Definitely. If you are 
to advise a young designer uh, wanting to make it in the industry. You went to London College of Fashion. You worked for Proenza and McQueen. And uh, that's kind of the traditional path. But looking back, would you say, um, I don't know, what would you have done differently, if anything? Or what would you advise somebody just based on all you've done, all you've seen? I've had some people reach out to me recently who want to start brands. And this seems like a crazy year to be giving any kind of advice about how to start or where to start. Uh, but at the same time, I think that there, we've seen brands emerge in this year and, you know, come whether they were around already or started because of an answer to what's going on. Yeah. It's, it's certainly an interesting time to catch people's attention. Uh, that being said, I started my career in such a almost like classically trained way. And that is, that is apparent in the quality of my products. Uh, but it's also apparent in the sort of way that we've approached marketing and social media and branding and uh, community because I've up until recently, I, I almost felt disconnected from, you know, from all of those sources and what what's really shining right now is what's really real, you know, what's real, what's authentic, the brands that are coming out of the communities that they come from. That makes sense to me. Well, Daniela, I wish you a better 2021. It seems like you're doing great already. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And it's always such a pleasure to speak to you. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Don't forget that we're offering Glossy Podcast listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories. Use the code podcast at checkout. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. See you.